0: Welcome to the CIM Marketing Podcast. The contents and views expressed by individuals in this podcast are not necessarily those of the companies for which they work. Due to the coronavirus lockdown, the CIM Podcast is currently being recorded via web conferencing. We apologise for any issues with the audio.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to the first episode of the new season of the CIM podcast series. And what a start we have today. Fresh, tanned and ready to discuss Social First and how that affects our marketing is Dan Andrews. Dan is founder of Tree, which is a London-based Social First agency. Um, If you don't know what Social First means or you're not sure, he's about to tell us. But before that, I should introduce our other guest, which is James Farmer. You'll know from many podcasts before james is head of brand at cim itself at moorhall james dan how are you today very well thank you
0: nice to see you nice to
2: see you james yeah good to see you guys too as well
1: uh, daniel come on then tell us social first agency social first do you, all marketers grasp what that means do you think
0: um Uh, Well, interestingly, I think more more so now than ever. Um, For us, social first really is about um, using behavioural science, using data, and using information from the plethora of uh, of platforms out there and from social, really, to inform our kind of creative, our strategies, and our, and our activation moving forward. For us, it's not just social media. It's about using data from social to inform everything from above-the-line creative to the way that you um, communicate your products to the messaging that you put out to, to, to your audiences. Uh, and we help brands really understand that information. We take that through strategy, we then create content, and then we work with either social or other platforms to activate that either through advertising influencer engagement or general comms um, and pushing out messages through through different channels so that's kind of social first for, for us in a nutshell
1: and do you see that as a universal principle or as it pertains to some kinds of businesses and is not the right approach for others
0: actually i think it is pretty universal and there are a whole wide range of brands working now to try and take that influence into their marketing so um Traditionally, it might have been a purely consumer channel where you could have um, tried to sell products or or services through social um, and connect with consumer audiences. But we're actually working with um, large global corporates like Europe, a big engineering firm, Anglo-American, a large mining firm, to better understand how um, social can connect with talent and, and, and new individuals that might come and work within that community, the communities that they want to connect with in terms of the engineering projects or the mining projects that they're going on, and actually also connect with thought leaders and NGOs in different networks that they're operating in as well. So social first thinking is actually revolutionizing the way that businesses are, are connecting with audiences and understanding what audiences need from communication.
1: It's interesting that some of those clients that you cite are perhaps not what people would think of as natural bedfellows for social, are they? I mean, you you might see fashion, uh, drinks brands, lifestyle brands as 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 natural bedfellows, but perhaps not so much engineering and mining brands. And that seems to me to have been a a shift that is notable, as we've seen in very recently in the last you know two or
0: three years, perhaps. Yeah, definitely. And it's 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 about creating um, dialogue. I think last time i was on we were talking about this idea of storytelling and what better way to tell stories is through kind of rich media formats and that's one of the benefits that social brings but um you know linkedin b2b marketing all that sort of stuff it it is really powerful uh for for lots of different brands and it doesn't just have to be for fashion brands to sell through and to learn you know what sentiment what a community is feeling about a specific engineering project or about um, a product in itself You can hear that sort of social chatter and use that to inform the connection that you make with them thereafter through the different content that you produce.
1: James Farmer that's an interesting shift isn't it? You know social has been there as a a, a force for many brands for many years but there is a a shift where this dialogue is, is being used in new areas and new industries. What do you think are the brand benefits of taking that social first approach James Farmer?
2: for me it's really about closeness to your audience um and 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 that really rich source of insight that it does provide uh, you know completely agree with what dan's saying is that you know what one thing that that we at cim um use all of our social uh platforms is is a really good way of driving relevance for the brand um and you know and, and also in the fight for talent so you know we've talked a lot on previous podcasts about 60% of the marketing industry currently you know looking to change jobs this year etc now that the shackles are off it's a really important way to get a strong employer brand across to potential talent Uh, in the war for talent it's you know it's, it's really key and and in the in the various interviews that I've been hosting recently without fail all of the uh, people have, have have had a good old nose around about you know on our social platforms they've used that to inform their decision as to whether to apply for the job or not so i think employer brand is, is absolutely key but obviously from a more sort of macro level of things like awareness and reach is is, is very um strong for for brands you know looking at the latest data reportal digital global overview report which which i'm fascinated by I've, I've, i think i've quoted from this before <laughs> you know there are 4.2 billion social media users around the world and that's you know, that's almost on a par with the total number of internet users at 4.7. So paid social, you know, without actually having to spend a great deal of money, can be a really good, effective way of achieving that sort of reach and awareness. And then, you know, once you overlap um targeting onto that and then the use of micro influencers, etc., your brand can really benefit from from the awareness and reach that, that social provides. It's that sort of rich source of insights that that, that is the most compelling thing for us and 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 how people use the different social platforms giving you the ability to then flex your brand and get across different facets of your brand personality. I think that's an interesting point isn't it Dan
1: it becomes a sort of brand building shop window that employees or potential employees candidates if you like for jobs are using that uh, the, the social media firmament to try and work out a little bit about their potential employers. It's not just about companies telling people stuff about them it's about creating a window or an insight into how they are how they behave and their sort of values
0: yeah absolutely and it's um it's it everybody that works for your organization is a, an advocate or some kind of ambassador. So, you know, the connection that you have by by suggesting that you work for a certain organization within LinkedIn and the, and the thought leadership that you share on your channel, right through to platforms like Glassdoor, these are all social networks and these are um, review platforms and, and and opportunities for people to do their sort of due diligence. There was, um, there was a paper in sort of 2011 that Google put out about ZMOT, Zero Moment of Truth, which kind of flipped the model on its head in terms of how P&G talked about the advertising market, that, you know, your first connection with a brand was a piece of advertising, then you went through to the store, and then you, your sort of moment of truth was a purchase. And they were suggesting that people were, were going into the zero moment of truth before that purchasing decision to look at information and understand purchasing or understand whether you want to work for a customer. I think that's evolved now even further, and we're, we're sort of talking about social moment of truth. It's that it's that kind of point of reference when you hear about a brand, whether it be for a product or for For a job or or even to engage with them in a conversation and you go into the social sphere and you look at that information and you you kind of get that proof point or that understanding of kind of what the what they look like how relevant they are how honest and transparent they are with their communications and all of that means that you know no no longer can you just hide behind an advert or a post it's a it's it's a much broader network of information that, that ladders up into this sort of brand culture that you're creating through social.
1: That is fascinating, but James, that does mean that it's incredibly important to get it right, and it's harder to get right than just a one off display ad or a traditional campaign.
2: Absolutely, you know, and and, and somewhere where we've made real gains recently is is by having a platform specific content strategy. You know, you can't just pump out the same story or the same article across all platforms in the same manner, it's got to be a tailored approach. Um, But equally, I think. It's really important for brands not to overstretch themselves on social. It's 98% of users have, have have got at least one other social platform. So you don't need to be on every single platform. You know, you need to understand that by doing a couple, it's it's the it's the old quality over quantity um, adage. Um, you know, by doing a couple well and take the learnings from that rolling out, you know, you've got you've got to match your brand presence with your resources because you know, whilst there are lots of positives for, for a brand on social, on the flip side, badly managed accounts can be really detrimental to your brand. So, you know, that's that that's a real watch out for, for us. Presumably there's a lot of internal pressure, perhaps from non-marketers, to
1: be as far and as wide as possible and, and to spread yourself across every channel and to do everything or to do lots of things, when in fact, the wiser strategy, James Farmer is saying, is to be much more selective and discriminating.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I I couldn't agree more. I think you know, less less is more, and 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 doing doing. Content better and in a, in a in a more authentic way is 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 probably the right way forward. We have this conversation time and time again with um, domestic brands looking to be across every single network and you know an, a new platform launches they want to be on TikTok they you know they wanted to be on Instagram when that launched etc. And you you try and you re- that conversation in to understand why and what the what the purpose is for the specific audience that they're trying to connect with. But then on glo- with global brands you know understanding whether they should have hundreds of regional channels or they should just have uh, umbrella global channels it there is no sort of silver bullet to this but I think going back to to what James was talking about getting closer to your audience and understanding what they need and how you need to communicate with them is the first step and then you can make those decisions on, on, on what channels and what content. James
1: how do marketers guard against sort of the more is more mentality you know how do they how do they guard against that and And perhaps deflect or manage out internal pressures to just spread their wings uh, as far as possible, and perhaps spread themselves as thinly as possible.
2: I think it's about metrics. You know, playing playing back engagement levels to the business. Um, We we have a monthly report which covers all of our commercial dials, but also our social um, engagement levels. So you know, it's not just about follower volume; it's about engagement and and and, um, sentiment metrics as well and i think what you can very easily do if you are overstretching yourself you can see the pockets of um of 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 bad <laughs> of badness um, and actually uh play that back to the business and and you know use that as a as a as a as a stick to sort of you know bat away any any sort of demands for for, for being omnipresent across all channels um that's something that we've been We've we've used very successfully to, to to really give us sort of laser focus on Instagram as as it you know, as was our focus a couple of years ago, um, and we've seen massive strides in in our engagement um, levels on, on Insta, and we are you know with 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 the more and more uh, short video that we're producing, um, you know we're looking at moving into TikTok, um, and and generally our YouTube page is something that we have got a, a, a real focus on. Um, so I think it, it, it helps to narrow down the, the you know, the the, uh, the it helps to narrow down the vast array, um, but also it helps bat off any sort of senior um, sort of SMT pressures that there might be.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, w- w- in terms of what we're using social media for, and one thing in the social media space at the moment, which many marketers will be familiar with, is this eighty twenty rule that eighty percent of your output should be useful. To To the people who are looking at it, and that doesn't necessarily mean uh, selling products to them. Uh, and only twenty percent, only twenty percent of that uh, output should be about directly promoting your products and services. And yet and yet, we are here as marketers, are we not, to sell things. If we didn't sell anything, we wouldn't be marketers because we wouldn't have employers because our employers wouldn't have a business. So how? Daniel Andrews, do we square that circle?
0: So I'm going to be slightly uh, contentious here and say that I think the the 80-20 rule potentially is a a slightly sort of old-fashioned, if I may, uh, mentality towards social media. And, And the reason I say that is because actually social media has to Two very distinct sort of avenues at the moment. One is organic, and yes, I can completely understand organic social um, potentially has has the need for this sort of 80/20 rule. Um, arguably, organic is becoming uh, more and more of a challenge to get seen by by consumers or, or or by customers. But actually, there's some very sophisticated paid models now using social um, across a whole funnel um, basically. So everything from awareness to consideration to conversion, and then sort of what we call ambassadorship. And actually, some of the campaigns that brands are running are full sales models across that. So awareness, putting product in front of people, getting uh, products front and centre, consideration, talking about benefits and, and and talking about purpose of product. And then conversion is some kind of offer or, or, or close. And that's that's an end to end sales cycle. And there are some very sophisticated brands out there advertising across social just doing that with very limited organic content. So I think, yes, um. From a brand building exercise, there is argument to say that this 80/20 rule um, has purpose, but actually, um, social is being used in a, in a really kind of sophisticated sales way now, um, using programmatic advertising, using using bidding structures, and on audience profiling. That means that we don't just have to think about this 80/20. We can actually be much more proactive a, and and um, and pr- promotionary about the way that we're communicating brands from a sales perspective.
1: So to, to do it in a sort of subtle and integrated way, rather than sort of dividing it between eighty percent useful, twenty percent selling, is the yeah. is way forward. That sounds more complex, and perhaps you know, great if you get it right, but easier to get wrong. Insofar as one would be concerned, that if you were too subtle about it, and t- and too clever, clever, your actual sales messages are getting lost, and you're providing services and useful stuff to your audience without actually promoting your business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it comes down to, I mean, not patronising the audience. If you're a product on social, you know, go are the days where you can just put your hands up and say, oh, we're just going to talk about a big, uh, lovely philosophy here. Actually, people are are wise to the fact that products are on social to be sold and are there for, um, you know, brand engagement, all that sort of stuff. And I think this sort of, um, yeah, shrouding of, 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 of cloaks over people's eyes that you know they're there for a higher purpose and all this sort of stuff. People are not idiots and and brands are on social for a specific reason. So if you do it well, do it um, effectively and do it politely fine but i think you know there's been many a brand story where people have tried to sort of go too far along the we're here just you know being your friends etc that's not what a brands on social for and i think audiences are not that naive to believe that
1: james Baldwin, there's nothing wrong with being authentic and honest that you're here to sell your product you can do other things as well but to try and hide that daniel andrew's saying is a, is a big mistake
2: Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with the, uh, you know, the wiseness of the audience. Um, You know, social has been around long enough now and the generation that is very au fait with it, very au fait with the tactics used. I think, you know, the, the way of selling on social is, Needs to be different to the up to other channels that you sell. Um, so so it is it is about doing it in that right way. And I think you know there was something that this, the the chief strategy officer of Karma um sort of talked about at one of the Festival of marketing a couple of years ago, which was you know rather than it being about B to C, it should be H to H, so human to human. You know, social media by its very nature is 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 a two way conversation, and I think that's the way to sell on social, rather than just it being a broadcast channel, which lots of other uh, media media channels are so you know it's about how how you can facilitate that conversation and hold their hand towards the purchase something that was really well for us is you know having Q&A follow ups off our webinars or even our quals campaigns so when we're promoting you know qualifications we will have a section in, in that campaign media lay down where we our, our our CX team answer questions via Insta Stories, and then you know that's now pinned to our highlights for future reference. You know going forward, so it's a different way of selling, and it's a more two-way conversational information providing, um, you know, way. And 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 I think that's why it's really important for the role of video and audio in social. So you know, there's a HubSpot stat that says 72% of customers would rather learn about a product or service via video. Um, and 68% of TikTokers say they remember the brand better if the video contains a song they like. So brands should really be thinking about how they get those messages across. And it's not just about, you know, shoving your product down 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 the throat. It's doing it in a more human way.
1: That's a great point, isn't it, Daniel Andrews, that it's fine to sell things via social as long as that sales process is entertaining for your audience.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I was on um, uh, a panel talking about the value of um, user-generated content the other day, and there was... A stat that we um we, we pulled out of social media today 82 percent of millennials are more likely to purchase if they see a product in the hands of another individual similar to themselves and i think you know just going to where james was was there it's it's about connecting the product with reality and giving it purpose and connecting that story absolutely um and, and making sure that the conversation is relevant um and there's so many different ways. There's so many different tools now within social. Um, again, Instagram, you've got um, Shoppable links within there. Pinterest only last month launched Shoppable Pins. Social commerce is growing, and it's going to continue to grow. And that's something like uh, um, over the next seven years, it's set to be about 600 billion in terms of uh, revenue. And you know that that goes to show the value of sales through through social platforms. Uh, and as a result, um, consumers and 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 customers are, are are connecting the dots much more easily that user experience needs to be much more effective people need to understand that they can connect with products that they're researching and understanding and enjoying um but yes creating that brand sentiment creating that brand story is is, is critical to that and not just sort of slamming offers at people left right and center it's about trying to create some brand love along the journey too
1: once you've got them once you've convinced them there is A next step, which is an important step, a point of no return, which is the point where you put in your your magic three numbers on the credit card and the sale has been made. There's very different experiences of how that process is managed. Some uh, social media streams get you to that point of no return very quickly and and, and efficiently where you're not thinking too much about it. Uh, Many of them still give you too much time to think about it. And of course, the, the, you want to minimise that thinking time uh, and, and make sure people get to the sale as quickly, as quickly and easily as possible. What UX tips or best practice can companies learn, Daniel, which helps them minimise that friction uh, and make that sales process as seamless as possible?
0: I think get the basics right as a starter for 10. And um, there's so many brands that don't have the correct links they don't have the correct brand story just even in a profile or in a bio for example um you know I spoke about some of the tools and the tactics that are within platforms themselves to make it easier to shop and engage you know shoppable links making sure that the CTAs are, are are at the correct part of the journey but actually I think one of the things that's overlooked the most in terms of user experience or shopper experience um, and the brands the super brands that do it really well are absolutely nailing it it's customer customer service and use social in a really effective customer service way, not just hammering people with bots through chats, but having genuine inquiries answered at pace in a human way. And you were talking about H2H you know, social is about human connection. And if you have a query about a product and you want to know about an attribute, or you actually just have a complaint in general, being able to speak to a human and connect within seconds is the joy of social. So I think the ultimate and the best use of of kind of user experience for any brand taking people on a social sales journey is get your customer service nailed and and have proper community management within the channel, which is human. It can be dissected a little bit by chatbots, but the the sooner you can get a human touch point in there the better.
1: I mean presumably one of the advantages that traditional shopping had over digital shopping was that if there were queries or there were challenges from the customer a good shop a well-served shop could answer them and satisfy them quickly at the point of sale and one of the few downsides I suppose of digital shopping is that that path is not so obvious but what you're saying is that with a well-managed social media account a well-managed commercial social media operation. There's no reason why you can't get that high quality customer services that perhaps you would get in the best shops, in the best bricks and mortar
0: shops. Absolutely. And I think the, the other thing from a social selling perspective, and people always think about social sales as just e-commerce, but, um, you know, the B2B sectors are, are using it in a, in a really powerful way. And we've done training workshops with sales houses where we're supporting their individual's use social to source leads to connect with um their customers through thought leadership you know it's, it's about sort of um sales with scale effectively and you're talking about being in a shop or if you were going to a networking event you'd be able to talk to one or two people but doing that effectively through linkedin doing that effectively through twitter being in the hearts of minds of individuals is really powerful and it's about that kind of drumbeat of information and being there to answer the questions when needed Um, so it it can work across so many different industries it just has to be thought through and authentic and I think that's the the sort of the the heart of everything James and I have been saying it's that authenticity and that listening to audiences that's the most critical thing.
1: You've convinced me and you've probably convinced (laughs) any lingering uh members of our audience we've got a, p- a fairly young marketing audience but that's not to say there will not be some people in businesses who aren't convinced about the power of social media and what it can do for company image company brand if you like but also for actually you know selling things and, and promoting our products and in- increasing uh, revenues If you have those resistant voices in your organisation, and many on the audience will know the sorts of people we mean and will have had those sort of conversations, have you got any techniques to recommend to make the case for a social media strategy, to make the case for a social first approach for people who aren't convinced of its
2: power? The way that we sell it in, not that we need to, thankfully, we're in a position where obviously being the chartered institute of marketing marketing is um, ha- has a very high perception across the business um, outside of the marketing department itself you know if if the marketing department is the voice of the customer social media is the soapbox that they use to 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 put you know to 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 project that voice so if you want to be close to your customers and understand what they're doing and what their thoughts are not only about your products but what's going on in their day-to-day lives social media is the is the platform in, in which to sort of you know draw through that insight to 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 you know to drive business strategies and tactics so I think you know that that would be my primary approach is 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 if you want to understand what's going on and appeal and be relevant social media is the way to do that. And then in terms of the metrics to to play back to the senior leaders it's volume of followers, engagement rates, number of mentions, the sentiment score, the volume of traffic from social to your website, the volume of sales off the back of social activity. There's a whole bunch of metrics that you can really bring to the fore and report on in a regular drumbeat so that they get used to it. And actually, you know, sentiment scores now is something that our board actually ask for and look out for on a, on a, on a, you know, on a regular basis, because it does give that real, Sort of temperature check of, of how we're doing as a brand out there in the in the community.
1: If you're a young marketer, you're coming into a business that's a profitable business, is doing well. Um, you know, you 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 have a goal to try and increase its social uh, presence and its social output, but you're needing to get it a profitable business to commit resources uh, to social when it hasn't done in any sort of meaningful way before. What are the lobbying techniques do you think you need to do to speak to the higher ups to get them uh, to commit those resources to you?
0: So I, th- I think that's an interesting one. Um, I think don't talk about social as a standalone that you need a pot of money for to look after its own kind of individual metrics. Start looking at the business within. So, you know, what, what's the products? Do we know enough about our product? Do we know what our audience think about our product? Do we know what innovations could be on the roadmap for that product or service generally? And if not, OK, where do we find that information? Let's go to social to find that data. Let's talk to customers in the real world. Let's listen. Let's look at other brand competitors and get that insight. So that that influences your product development cycle. I think the next thing is to go and talk to them about sales. Where does sales revenue come from? What have the growth trajectories been and what what channels are working well? And if there's an opportunity to to look at how you can increase that or increase kind of repeat customer base, then you look back at social as the answer. I think, um, you know, when new channels and new marketing um, platforms come to the fore, it's all about the channel and it's all talking, you know, this sort of navel gazing within the social community that isn't social great, but actually to win the case and, and to 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 look at the business benefit of 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 these platforms. And it's not just social, it's it's any channel. You've got to go back to the basics and talk to the business about what the business problems are. And then you can use the tools such as social to try and answer those questions. I think if we sit outside and talk about social as being a wonderful channel, You know, it's it only lives so far. But actually, if you integrate that learning and that data back into the business, it revolutionizes an organization and can help change the trajectory. And I think that's the conversation that kind of young marketers and any marketer should should be having with their companies.
1: Present it, James, as a means to an end, not an end in itself.
0: Yeah,
2: absolutely. It's you know, it's it's a it's a tactical channel ultimately. You know, you you've got you've got to know the, your, your your overarching objectives and then show how social can help achieve those. I think you know, from an NPD perspective, it's it's got great opportunities. So you know, it, it does have benefits across various facets of a business of an organisation. Uh, but I think it's about absolutely positioning it in, in in the way that lands across all
0: of those different
2: objectives.
1: Do you think Daniel most people get it now they get the principle even if they're not doing it?
0: I would like to think there's been a massive shift and you know we've seen as a business the volume of inquiries coming in for people wanting to really get their head around what social first means and again as, as James was saying it's not it's not you know it's a means to an end it's not it's not the only solution and it's about connecting those dots between that channel and everything else that you're doing and making sure that it's relevant really.
1: Still sounds like a positive shift in the right direction for building your values your brand, and actually, yes, selling your products. Daniel Andrews, James Farmer, thank you very much indeed.
2: Cheers, Ben.
0: If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the CIM Marketing Podcast on your platform of choice. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can also join the conversation on Twitter at CIM underscore Exchange, where we'll keep you updated about the latest episodes. See you next time.
1: CIM Marketing Podcast.